We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Nets news, Nets news, Nets news, Nets news, Nets news. Yes, we are giving you a Nets news podcast. Not something we typically do during the regular season, especially when there isn't a trade, but a lot of things happen today in a positive way. But before we get started, as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, let's get started with Kyrie Irving. we got an update on his status and his possible return. Yeah, I am. He as he spoke to the media. Obviously, he spoke to the media a little while ago as well, Nick. But now it seems like we we could see Kyrie back in as little as a week. And he said that he's not thinking about surgery. And I quote, "I'm not trying to think about that right now." But you know, after a seven-game losing streak, we'll take all the good news we can get. Yeah, Kyrie uh, participated in practice today, did some five-on-five work, some four-on-four work. He said, you know, he'll see how his shoulder's feeling after a week or two. Like you mentioned, Jack, that could possibly be a return on the court. I think there's also a negative side of this that we I will bring up that he could, you know, practice or try to work at that shoulder the next two weeks and it doesn't go well and then he'll need surgery. But he did seem positive, like he really wanted to get back on the court. So I'm I'm excited because I'm excited to see Kyrie Irving back on the basketball court and yeah, he said, realistically, we will reevaluate tomorrow, see how I feel tomorrow, then go Saturday, probably another practice. So, I mean, we've had setbacks aplenty before with Kyrie Irving sort of rehab and the compl- complex nature of the Poseidon and everything that's sort of happening there. Um, obviously, we'll take any optimism we can get as a Nets fan. But at the same time, there could be something along the way that sort of impedes him from, from getting back. But at this time... He looked to be in good spirits. And I know that you watched the full nine minutes, Nick. I didn't really get the chance. I've sort of been trying to just read every single article, every quote I've got. And we'll go through some of the key quotes. But what were your sort of takeaways from it? Obviously, Kyrie, I'm a big fan of whenever Kyrie steps in front of the media. And I know I saw a lot of other, uh, funnily enough, Buzz listeners and just Nets fans in general. I just eat up every time he's in front of the media. He just seems to enjoy speaking about basketball. And obviously, he's not a big media guy. But when he does speak, it seems like his words really matter and they really resonate. Yeah, you get a lot out of his press conferences. You get a lot of information. And I felt like, you know, the overall vibe of it was very positive. He's doing everything he can to make a comeback. He explained the injury a little bit further and kind of explained how it'll impact him the rest of the season, possibly his career. And also the fact that, it was really hard to diagnose the injury into rehab because they didn't know exactly what was wrong. And at one point he did suffer a setback because it was just 
kind of pushing that shoulder a little bit too much. He also mentioned how he lost so much weight and muscle on that shoulder because for two weeks oh, he wow. essentially couldn't use it and he couldn't even do any type of workouts or anything. And you honestly can look at his shoulder and it does look a little bit, you know, slimmer than it did before. So I think he wants to get also back not only in on-court shape, but also like in the weight room, you forget how strong you need to be to participate in the NBA. Yeah, and especially with Kyrie Irving's game, who is it's predicated on he is an amazing shot maker and, and we spoke I know you spoke about three level scoring on the NBA outlet Nick Kyrie Irving is the, the embodiment of that as a point guard he can do it from every single place on the floor he's an amazing three-point shooter he's an amazing mid-range shooter and he's amazing around the rim as well but you need your right shoulder pretty healthy to, to do that when you're a right-handed shooter and he did say this it's my shooting shoulder so me going right primarily on my drives i've got to mix it up a little bit and just work on my floaters work on my touch around the rim but that will come over time yeah muscle memory will get him back in there but like he said it's his right shoulder and he just needs to get that touch right and not only offensively i think my biggest concern is trying to run through screens on a defensive end like yeah. just one bad screen or one illegal screen could really screw that shoulder up or just cause him some pain where maybe he can't finish the game. So that's kind of more of my worry. I think offensively, he's so gifted. He's so skilled. And it's not like this was natural born talent. This is something he worked to get. It's all muscle memory. And I think it'll eventually be back. It's not going to be instant, but I have confidence if he is playing again this season, we'll see at least 90% of Kyrie Irving. That's why we need you at all these Nets media appearances nick asking those clever questions <laughs> about the defensive schemes and stuff I haven't heard enough about that because i think it does go underrated and we saw you know kemba walker last night get flattened by a lamarcus aldridge screen and end up getting ejected because you know some of that and imagine if he was playing against okc the uh, car was playing against okc the other night steven Adams is one of the best screeners of yesteryear he's an absolute monster with those screens so and it'll be interesting to me obviously this timeline will be reevaluated consistently the quarter zone seems to be making a, a decent enough impact he's not thinking about surgery and he did talk, in terms of like you mentioned the, the maintenance in general he said other than just keeping my shoulder maintenance program going before i get on the floor that's the thing i have to keep consistent throughout the season and probably for the rest of my career i was a little bit worried about that when i heard it nick what were your thoughts when you heard the rest of my career sort of quote unquote I think it came off as more serious in the quote where in the press conference, it was almost kind of like a tag along where he just kind of threw it in there at the end. Because I think anytime you do have a somewhat serious injury to something, you're always going to, you know, make sure you're taking care of that. Like I've dealt with back injuries in my life. Every time I go to the gym, I have to do my stretching routine. I think it's something simple as that where he just needs to stretch it and make sure he's not overworking it. Like he mentioned in the previous press conference that he did in the preseason when he missed so much time trying to get back on the court really hurt him because he was putting up too many shots. Yeah, and Nick, this is something, I guess, speaking generally about having superstars on a, on a franchise team and, you know, the sort of relationship between that and, and, and the higher-ups. I know a lot of people have delved into the fact that Kyrie sees his own specialists. Do you look much into Kyrie seeing, you know, his own guys on the side and then relaying, you know, his personal information to the franchise? Or do you think that that's something that we would see with plenty of other teams? I think when you get to that level and you're a superstar, like you have a team in place and it's not like Kyrie Irving is cheap or anything. He's just going to a guy that he feels comfortable with. I'm sure he's one of the best in the field. It's just like, hey, this is guy has been my doctor my whole NBA career. I feel comfortable. He knows my body. He knows how I react. I don't think he's rejecting Nets, you know, performance team or medical team or whatever it may be. I think he's just looking to get more opinions from somebody that he's conf confident and comfortable with. As much as Kyrie loves the Nets, this is still his first year with the team. There's not really any developed relationship. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I think that as much as I'm a, a person in, in general and not just sport in terms of one person being bigger than the other, but when you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, these guys just supersede everything. I mean, you can, with D'Angelo Russell, Carol Savert, these sort of young guys, you know, you can groom them in, in ways, you're building them up, you know, but when you're established in, in your stature within this league, you deserve to have whatever relationships and trust whoever you want. Kevin Durant, when he had that Achilles injury and the calf injuries, he he was flying to New York to speak to people within the Nets, you know, the Nets sort of training staff in terms of, not the Nets training staff currently, but people who are associated with the Nets training staff. So he wasn't speaking to people at Golden State at that time. So I think that it makes complete sense. And I think that the fact that, you know, it's, it's, it's synergy. They're trying to build that synergy. And like you mentioned, 
Nick, I'm sure Sean Marks doesn't think much of it. And, and I think that at the end of the day, Kyrie Irving seems to be more than happy to be in Brooklyn, as is Kevin Durant. And, uh, and plenty of tweets have reflected that over the past 24 hours, which I'm sure we'll get to because that'll be probably the most fun thing we'll talk about on this podcast. But yeah, I don't look into it that much. It's just the fact that Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving. The Nets are the Nets. And there's a, a, a built-in relationship that will happen over time. And it's just getting all those opinions, putting them all together, and then forming the, the best medical opinion you can that is going to benefit this superstar athlete. 100%. And I think if something had come out and said, hey, Kyrie rejects and that's medical team and don't, you know thinks has a wrong opinion or something like that, I think it's worse. But like you said, it's just, it's not that uncommon, I think, for superstar athletes and going to get a second opinion or whatever it may be. And again, it's still the first year in this relationship. You know, farther down the line, he might have more trust in the Nets medical team or performance team, whatever it may be. Yeah, and you know, I don't look much into it at the end of the day. But Nick, if I'm uh, before we get to some Kevin Durant news, do you think we see Kyrie Irving? And obviously, this is a completely hypothetical question <laughs> that I'm asking. You have no inside information other than the incredibly savvy comments about the defensive schemes. Do you think we see Kyrie Irving back within one to two weeks, or do you think that he suffers a setback and we don't see him, you know, for the foreseeable future? I'll say this. We'll either see him by the end of January or we will not see him the rest of the season. I think he'll know after this next couple weeks if he needs surgery or not. And if he's able to perform, he'll get back on the court because the vibe that I got from the press press conference was very positive and also that he wanted to be back on the court. He wanted to play with his teammates. He mentioned some specific things, getting Spencer Dinwiddie some help, the three-guard lineup of him, you know, in uh, Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie. So I think Kyrie really wants to be back on the court and he's going to do everything he can. So we'll know by the end of the month that we're going to see Kyrie this season. Yeah, I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm always a little bit more pessimistic, Nick. And I, I think we've sort of, when we spoke about in the first uh, presser that Kyrie sort of had before the game, you know, a couple of days ago, he seemed to me uh, be somewhat optimistic, but somewhat realistic about the fact that, look, let's see what the quarter zone shot does. You know, I've done some contact. I've suffered some setbacks. I want to be back on the court. I think he just wants to be back out there because you watch, you know, Kyrie Irving, you watch Kevin Durant when we're at games, especially Kevin Durant. And there's a lot of video that... uh, a lot of fans will take where it's Kevin Durant just hanging around the rim. He's doing the, the faux sort of the dribble moves. It's a, these are guys that right now associate basketball as a key part of their identity. Playing basketball satisfies them. It, it, it satisfies them in an intrinsic way that no other pastime can. They need to be playing basketball. And, you know, when you're injured, you know, Kyrie Irving mentioned that he obviously would be frustrated with this process. And yeah, I think that when something is... is you know, if I if the Brooklyn buzz was taken away from me and you know I had a, a throat injury for say like you know, a, a month or two months and I was suffering setbacks and you know you had to get Will Jackson on or, or some other guys on or Nolan Jensen or whoever it might be I would be pretty frustrated too I, I would want to get back as soon as possible I wouldn't want those setbacks I'd be getting those soothers I'd be getting those drugs and and syringes into my next so I could get back so I think that it's it's positive but again I'm probably you know, mate, I'm the pessimistic man of this podcast, so I'm not necessarily sure. I, I can't, I'm going to, you know, there's a fence that I'm looking outside my window right now. I'm going to sit right on it and I'm going to hurt my bum doing it, but you know, I'm going to sit on the fence. I have no idea whether it's going to be bad because, you know, we had, no, we had no idea that we would hear this positive news when I went to bed last night. I was like, oh, I'll watch a bit of Catfish before I go to bed. New episode, wake up in the morning. All right, Kyrie Irving's back. And, you know, I know you mentioned to me that you thought it was a it was a fake news. You thought it was, you know, a bit of a catfish from Malika Andrews. So the fact that we're talking about it is a bit of fun. But who knows? I think anyone's guess is as good as ours. And, you know, the Nets media, Kenny Atkinson, it's going to be down to how Kyrie's body reacts. And, you know, no one has known, no one will know how that happens because, there is probably no more complex injury right now that any player is suffering in the NBA. Maybe Kevin Durant's Achilles, but there's at least positive news on that front. Yeah, and that's not even as complex because they can at least diagnose it, do the surgery, get everything taken care of. It's like this injury with Kyrie is just kind of almost rare. It's just a typical thing that shoulders are hard to deal with, especially that specific injury, because the way he talked about it is the muscles around you know the inflammation essentially shut down. So they just like stopped working and it was putting a lot of fatigue on other parts of his shoulder. But it just it felt really positive in the press conference. Then also, you know, I didn't hear you know Kenny's whole entire you know speaking today, but I heard one portion of him. He seemed like he was in a really good mood, so it seemed like there was a positive vibe. So I'm just going to carry that on and hope Kyrie's back by the end of this month. 
Let's continue those positive vibes and we'll get to that quote from Coach Kenny. And he said, and this is in relation to Kevin Durant, he said, I would love to give you, I know I'll talk to Aaron, who is the, the Nets PR guy. Maybe we can give you more information on that. I will say he's progressing fantastically. I would just say that. Talking to him, talking to the performance team, came in and watched him yesterday to do his exercise. You guys can probably see he's moving a lot better, moving a lot more. I don't want to get ahead of myself and get people mad at me for giving you more than that. Kenny doesn't normally seem this optimistic and he never give away, uh, he's, he never gives away this much. I think Aaron, the Nets folks, I'm not sure of his last name, is probably going to be a little bit upset with Coach Kenny. Yeah, it's almost like, hey, yo, KD might actually be back this season. Like, that's kind of the vibe he was getting. And if you yeah. see the video, video of Kenny here, he looks like he's eight espresso shots in and he's <laughs> souped up. He's very happy. He's really excited. He's just like, when you see Kenny and he's like smiling ear to ear, just like he had that Kenny acting in his face where you know he's really excited. I mean, I'd be too. Like, you're having one of the best players possibly return to your team this season. And the fact that he's moving really well, we knew that he's like been moving relatively well on the bench, getting up and walking around and things like that. But the fact he did individual drills today, that, that's exciting. Yeah, it's beyond exciting, Nick, because we are talking about one of the 15 best basketball players of all time, a walking bucket, the best player in the game before he got injured, you know. He, he has overtaken LeBron James, and I know that for OGD Basketball comic killed me, and, and maybe Corey to a lesser extent, to not actually put my guy, a guy who's in a Brooklyn Nets uniform, you know, at the number one spot, because he has that mantle right now. He's taken the crown, and he, he is better than Giannis. He is better than LeBron. He is better than James Harden. But, I mean, obviously the Achilles injury is an incredibly complex one. We spoke about, you know, obviously the shoulder injury for, for Kyrie Irving. We spoke about the fact that there is some positivity around the location of the Achilles injury should lead to hopefully a positive recovery and maybe even an updated recovery. And we've talked about Kevin Durant's age. We've harped on Kevin Durant's injury more than probably anything, any other storyline throughout the season. And, and with good reason, because this guy changes the game. He changes the franchise automatically. And you know, I remember just speaking to you off wax a little bit before the pod that I'm heading to to uh, over back to the states, over back to New York. You know, at the mid to end of March because you know my my guys getting married and I've got to be there for that ish. But also, <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm more excited for that or for the possibility that I might see Kevin Durant in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. It is crazy and that it really might happen. And Greg Logan had a tweet. He also mentioned the individual, individual drills that Kevin Durant was doing. But he said he asked the organization about Kevin Durant's return this year. And they said they're still operating as if he's out the year. So that's really not a definitive answer of saying, like, that's shutting down the idea that Kevin Durant can play. It's just pretty much saying, like, we're operating like he's not going to be back. We're not putting any pressure on him. There's still a chance, though. That's yeah. the way I take it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that where there's a chance. And I think it relates a little bit, Nick, to we've sort of seen, you know, a bit of national media probably get on the Brooklyn Nets for how they've handled and communicated about the Kyrie Irving injury. And I think with good reason, you know, these guys, you know, Zach Lowe, Howard Beck, you know, I put out, you know, a little bit of a tweet and, and sort of, it, it, I couldn't get as, uh, I could only get 240 characters in there. So for me in general, you know, I'll surmise this as best as I can, as my tweet did. I think it's pretty clear and this is related to Kyrie Irving, I think it's pretty clear that the Nets were like, you know what, let's skate by on this. Let's not say anything. This was mishandled. And then Howard Beck responded, the biggest problem is they weren't upfront about it. They weren't transparent. Now it's almost like we're getting the opposite end from Coach Kenny that he's giving us a little bit too much about Kevin Durant because like the guy's still got a few months till he can get back from injury. And like we said on the, the, the Christmas episode, the gift episode, I was like, I just want give Kevin Durant some luck because, you know, it's not going to all be smooth sailing for Kevin Durant in this, you know, obviously complex recovery from one of the most serious injuries that you can have as an athlete. But uh, if Kenny, if Kenny's giving you something, maybe the PR team was telling him, all right, we need to be a bit more transparent. We need to give the fans something. We need to give the media, the national media something. We might not be like, you know, the New York Knicks or the LA Lakers now, but we've got these two superstars on our roster. We need to be a bit more communicative. And I'm not sure if that's reactionary in a way, but... At the end of the day, I'll take it, but I'm not necessarily sure um, if, if Kevin Durant will be back and, and how it relates to all of that. But I think all of those sort of storylines about how the Nets have been have mishandled the situation around Kyrie and the communication in general, uh, I think it's sort of interwoven with what we've seen today in some facts. 
Yeah, it's it definitely was a, just a whole weird situation. And I think some of it still is the fact that the Nets really didn't want to say anything because I don't think they were really sure. And they also didn't want to bring up the fact that Kyrie had a, a setback and then kind of continue to get on that. But they should have released more information, like we said in the past, just saying something like, hey, Kyrie Irving will be reevaluated in one to two weeks or blah, blah, blah. Kind of like today they gave you an excessive amount of information. They probably didn't even have to go that far, but it was still really good to see. Even just a little bit of small, vague info goes a long way. Oh, it absolutely does, especially when you uh, – I- the caliber of these players and you know it's frustrated me a lot to see some national media pundits where it's just like you know to badmouth the the organization and i mean obviously we we associate the brooklyn nets with just a sense of community for us nets twitter all these fans when you are follow a team you know it's a sense of community feel and when you you get disparaged or your team gets disparaged in a way you know i'm not playing for the team i'm not a coach i'm not working for the team but, you know, I, I love this team to know, and it's, it's a second family. So to see, you know, people say, like, look, well, no team will probably, every single team would have done the KD and Kyrie trade, but maybe they might have to regret it. Like, they've, they've gone back against their culture, their identity, and it's just like, you can't say both things. Like, every single team, every single franchise, yes, maybe James Dolan is like, oh, we didn't want to give KD the the max i'm just like dude please I've spoken about that enough on, on the, the the free agency pods one of the most fun pods i've ever done on the book <laughs> buzz but it, it's just it boggles belief and I, i'll continue to listen to and and read the works of people from nets daily from the, the new york post a lot of rise that we've seen before you know alex Schiffer, greg logan a lot of these guys brian lewis you know anthony puccio those are the people i will listen to when it comes to nets news because those are the guys that are plugged in. And I've said that you know a heap of times, not just on, on, on the buzz as a Brooklyn Nets pod, but when I'm on the outlet, when I'm on JBT, I will trust the opinion of people who have a more informed opinion. If you're looking to talk about the Sixers, who are those Sixers beat writers I'm going to look at? Who are the beat writers on ESPN for that team? If you're talking about national news and, and trades and stuff, that's when you go to Woj and stuff. But for right now, when we're getting news from Nets Daily and, and we're getting news from the Brooklyn Nets directly and from the horse's mouth, from, from Kyrie Irving and, and Kenny Atkinson, that's when it makes sense to me. That's when I'm going to uh, listen and I'm going to take a, a bit more bit more notice. Yeah, you're going to just kind of take it a little bit stronger. Instead of it with a grain of salt, you're kind of taking it all on because these guys consistently and girls are around the team and they know them better than other people. And it's just that consistency makes a big difference and like it does with everything in life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I... I I'm going to try and put it aside me, Nick, for, for the fact that, you know, March 18, I'm hoping to be at the Washington Wizards game at Barclays Center, and there is a possibility that I will see our four best players all out on the floor at the same time. But in relation to that, Coach Kenny did speak about the lineups. Nice little segue there. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back with that. Uh, he did say, in relation to lineups, that'd be a tough tandem to match up with. Atkinson instead of Irving and Dinwiddie. And Spencer can obviously guard off the ball easily. He's 6'6", so that's good too. Spencer's a two-way player. It's exciting to think what it could be. You could have Karis, Kyrie, and Spencer. You know, that was kind of obviously in the original plans. You could play them as a finishing lineup. I wouldn't hesitate to do that at all. I mean, the OKC have been going gangbusters with Chris Paul, SGA, and Dennis Schroeder, whereas our guys fit more seamlessly in terms of, you know, we could play out the size that our guys actually have. Some of them are actually forward size, whereas Dennis Schroeder's like a, a point guard. Chris Paul's like 5'11", and, you know, SGA's like 6'4". So uh, I'm excited about that possibility and that seems it could be a likelihood. And we sort of saw very, very minor glimpses of it at the start of the season. Not enough to, to really sort of analyze it to a great extent. Yeah, I mean, that lineup has a lot of potential. I mean, that's three of the, three of the four Nets' best players right there. And you look at it, like you mentioned it, Jack, there's a lot of versatility between Karis Avert and Spencer Dinwiddie because of the size they have. And if they both play defense at the level that we know they can, they should be able to cover some of the issues that Kyrie has defensively. Then also, I think everybody in terms of their off-ball improvement would be crucial to that lineup, especially a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie, who I think is probably the least effective of the two off-ball. Karis, I think, is improving that area. We've seen a little bit of cutting in his three-point shot has looked a little bit better this year. But that potential could just be deadly because, hey, you don't have three good ISO defenders or three good you know, uh, perimeter defenders most likely in most of your lineups, especially you know, unless you're one of the best teams in the league. So it's like one guy is going to get a favorable matchup. You're probably going to put your best guy on you know, Kyrie Irving and then your second best guy is going on Karis Avert or Spencer Dinwiddie and the other one's going to have a lighter matchup or just less Bad attention man. from the, the other team and other players. Yeah, it's 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 it it, it boggles belief. It, it for me, it's hard to sort of express like how 
how exciting that tandem could be. And, and I think Coach Kenny is in the same boat with that. <laughs> but Nick, how much time do we have? Do we want to get to every single tweet that Kevin Durant did? Because I was just scrolling to get down to the ones from the last 24 hours. And I had a lot of fun just looking at all of them. And uh, it was it's all started with the comment that he put on um, Instagram. And it was Chris Paul uh, on the, I, I think it was yeah, Chris Paul's uh, official in, individual Instagram. Uh, and Kevin Durant uh, commented, easy money sniper, yo, delete this later, appreciate ya. And then the uncontested uh, OKC podcast was like, why well, you got to be like that, KD? And then Kevin Durant's like, it was a joke, bro, relax. I love Kevin Durant on Twitter, man. This is, to have this guy now, it, I mean, with, Twitter is better when the athletes are on there and using it for what Twitter is. Especially when people say negative things about them. That wasn't obviously an incident, but we'll talk about the other one where people are trying to badmouth you and then the athlete just comes out of nowhere and is like, no, that's just not how it is. And they lay it out how it really is and then they have nothing to say. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the, I guess, the, the main sort of beef that sort of happened between Brandon, Tierney, whatever the bloke's name is. He's got the blue tick. He's got the blue tick. So he's got 30,000 followers. Good for him. Uh, CBS Sports Radio. Uh, Nets win seven straight. No one cares. Nets lose seven straight. No one cares. Speaks volumes. And then Kevin Durant is like, what does it say? And then he goes on to say, being relevant in, in the eyes of fans doesn't make the ball go in the basket. So it really doesn't matter. But go ahead and claim something. And then someone is like to Kevin Durant, he's like, why are you giving him clout, man? Clout chases. He's like, no, I'm giving clout tonight. <laughs> and then he's like, uh, media going to find me anywhere. And then he's like, uh, someone says like, oh, no one gives an F. And then Kevin Durant's like, you give an F. That No one gives an F about the Nets. Long story short, you care. That was one of the best ones. Um, yeah, because it's really Nick the truth. To and, those ones. I mean, that's that one sticks out the most because it's like no one cares about the Nets. But you're taking time out of your day to say that nobody cares about the Nets. So obviously you care about the Nets and you're paying attention to what they're doing. And you're still salty that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving didn't sign with your team. It's just like, please pick one. Please say that Kevin Durant and Kyrie are not relevant. Then you're saying the Nets aren't relevant type of thing. Like, obviously, these are two of the most relevant athletes in the entire world. So it automatically makes the Nets relevant. That's why people are so concerned about Kyrie Irving not being on the court or Kevin Durant's return. So it's just like he's calling out the nonsense, and you love to see it. Breaking news. He has another burner account as well, Nick. And he, someone, quoted to, someone commented to him, learn from the best you have. Out of a lot of practice on your burner accounts. And KD responded, I just got another one. I'm handling this one way better to exclamation mark smiley face. <laughs> I don't know what KD's burner is now. Um, the fact that he's played into it, like I feel like Kevin Durant, he's feeling himself and I'm kind of enjoying it. Yeah, I think he's confident and he's happy with who he is. He's won his championships in Golden State. And now he's in Brooklyn just doing his own thing. And I think he's finally like, hey, I'm Kevin Durant. Like, I think... Kevin Durant really, I like knew that Kevin Durant was cool with himself and like everything and he was sick of the noise when he had that little rant about Patrick Beverly last year when he's like, I'm Kevin Durant. Like, yeah. you know, that, that was pretty much it. Like from that point on, I think he's just a different guy on and off the court. It reminds me, I was listening to a podcast with um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt and uh, in the Once Upon a Time Hollywood movie. I suggest anyone who hasn't seen it to go see it, where there's the moment where Brad Pitt's character is like to, to Leo, you're effing Rick Dalton. And I'm just like, I'm effing Kevin Durant. But like there was, uh, we'll, we'll get to a few more now because this is just a lot of fun. And, and I'm having a lot of fun just scrolling, looking at all these comments. And uh, he said, this is the one that I got like probably a lot of traction. He's like, the reality, and this was obviously in response to him going to MSG and, and being with the Knicks and the storied franchise. He's like, the reality is that you wanted me to do what you wanted me to do. I didn't. And now you feel some weird way about it. Get over yourself. <laughs> bro i know you got a little platform but come out the clouds it's not real bro he's just dropping the hammer the Thor hammer and the worst fact the worst part is he's dropping all facts like you're upset because he didn't sign with the team you wanted him to sign with nobody no kevin durant's not saying he wanted to sign with the knicks and he was too scared to do it he wanted to sign with the nets you're just upset about it because he didn't pick your team i think anytime someone says a diss to somebody and it's actually real that just makes it like 10 times worse yeah, when it, like when you can truly hit home, it's like when you're having an argument with like your best friend or your girlfriend, and they know really how to get to you because they know you better than anyone else, and then they hit you where it really hurts. Kevin Durant's doing that on Twitter, man. And, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to be his girlfriend. Let's put it that way. Uh, another one that stuck out, Nick, to me was a, a, a commenter said, "Nets basketball will never be on my 
television. Diehard Knicks fan. If Nets make the finals, I guess it'd be the first time I ever missed the finals. And then Kevin Durant responds, enjoy your TV, bro. We don't care about your favorite channels. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's so savage. I love it so freaking much. It's the best. It's so true. Like, why why would Kevin Durant care if you don't watch him play? And like, oh, you didn't watch the finals? Like, bro, shut up. You're not a basketball fan if you're not watching it because you don't like one team. And my the other thing is, like, I don't even understand why Knicks fans hate Nets fans so much. It's like they're not the ones that come in with this attitude that think there's some type of entitlement. Like, I don't know if you were able to see. I just saw a clip of it. It was Richard Jefferson going on uh, Ryan Rucco's podcast and pretty much talking about how the Knicks act like they're the Yankees, but they don't have anything to show for it. Like, the Yankees have 27 championships. The Knicks haven't won one in almost 50 years. Yeah, man. RJ, I mean, I'm so glad that he is a me your personality right now he is freaking perfect in so many ways and obviously i put out the other day listening to him broadcast with iron eagle is just we're lucky i mean as it's fun it is a fun experience to listen to them too especially in the last game where richard everson couldn't stop laughing i mean if you're not watching Brooklyn Nets games, that's your loss. I'm, I'm more than happy to continue enjoying it. And you can, I mean, I'm not, I, I, when I do watch Knicks games, I actually love listening to Clyde Frazier and Mike Brain. They are, they're phenomenal as well. You don't, you just enjoy, appreciate the product for what it is. And then, you know, we're going to keep going with this, Nick, because we've got some time. Uh, precocious Neophyte, who jumped in as well to the to the scrap he's like i'm gonna tell you this nobody in this city wears brooklyn merch but brooklyn natives if anyone outside of bk wears net shit it's for fashion katie and kyrie could three-peat in this city and they'll only gain more fans in brooklyn hashtag plain and simple and he's like and he adds a seriously with a dog gift which is a cute little dog but then kevin durant responds congrats scrap Scrap because it's dog. I'm just it's it's perfect, man. I, I want to be as good as 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 Kevin Durant is on Twitter because he is a, an absolute phenom. And to end it all, Nick, uh, to end it all, he got asked by Brandon Tioni, Brandon Tyony, whatever the the man's name is, CBS Sports. Good for you. Got that blue tick, my dude. He's like. Let's chop it up tomorrow. Uh, his co-host is apparently off. Come sit in the studio with us a few hours for us. Co-host with me. Open invite. Would love to have you. We'll send a car. LMK, let me know. And then Kevin Durant responds with the gif. Nah. <laughs> I just send it. <laughs> You've got to see it. I'm going to send it to you right now. It's the nah. And I think it's it's just, it perfectly ends it. Where it's just like, dude. You know when you're losing the argument so much that you have to concede defeat and go, look, maybe I can shoot my shot a little bit here. And then Kevin Durant just swats it like he's done time and time again in his career. He ain't doing that. You can't do that. You can't fully like start this entire thing. Kevin Durant absolutely ends you and then concede defeat and go, well, maybe I'll get Kevin Durant on. Nah, it ain't happening, my dude. It ain't happening. He just badmouthed KD, and this wasn't the first time he talked bad about the Nets. I've seen this guy before. I forget what it was about. I think it was when KD and Kyrie first signed. It was something about the team never being relevant. Like, you're not going to take all these shots at him and the team he's on and then try to get a really good interview. Like, Kevin Durant is one of the best sports interviews you can get at this time in the national media. So, chill. Like, you're not getting this. It was a great attempt, but you got bodied. Yeah, and I'll say just in general when we hear Kevin Durant speak about basketball like you mentioned when he was talking about the Patrick Beverly thing when he was speaking with Golden uh, to Golden State Media back when I think he was uh, after that game I can't remember if it was in one of the finals games or one of the playoffs games and he was speaking about just the intricacies of basketball and you know him getting his shots and, and how he gets to certain spots on the floor hearing experts speak about their craft I eat that up you know whether it's an actor whether it's a director whether it's whoever it might be whoever is you know elite at their craft hearing them speak about it it just it just hits different it hits different in in a really big way yeah i mean not only is it an expert but like you said jack one of the best experts there can be and you know he's putting the amount of work to study other great you know players around the league and throughout history to perfect his game so i mean it's just and anytime you listen to somebody talk about something they're very passionate about it's always a fun listen oh like the brooklyn buzz Oh, man, I don't think there is better experts at the Brooklyn Nets than, than us two, even the fact that, you know, I actually, when when uh, that um, tweet that I spoke about, funnily enough, about the, the Nets wearing, you know, only Brooklyn Nets fans wear it, and then someone responded and, and added me in it, and I was like, oh, nice. I like it when people, like, put me in and this is, like, recognize me. I'm like, 
I'm putting in work. It's always nice to be recognized for something. And the fact that I'm, you know, all the way here in Australia doesn't mean I can't uh, contribute to, to some nets, to some nets noise, but Nick, we'll get to some trades and to some questions because I put the, the tweet out and it's always nice to hear from, from the listeners and from the fans. And I guess this relates to a couple, Nick. A truly cheap guy. Uh, he was like, do you guys have any predictions on Nets moves before the trade deadline? And then D-Rock obviously uh, jumped in as well. Should Sean Marks address the backup point guard sooner rather than later, even with Kyrie Irving seemingly re-entering the lineup in the near future? And if so, who is the answer? Mine is Ish Smith. So I guess we can just do a general trade talk here, Nick. Um, do you have any thoughts on who the Nets should target? Um who should they go after? Is the point guard, the backup point guard, a Shabazz Napier type, uh, something the Nets need to address? What do the Nets need to do before the deadline, before February 7 rings around? Yeah, I think a lot is really going to depend on Kyrie Irving. Like, if they they need a backup point guard if Kyrie's not going to come back. If Kyrie's going to come back, they have three great playmakers in Kyrie, Karras, and Spencer. So I don't think that's really a concern. But if Kyrie's not coming back, I think you do probably want to get at least – you know, a veteran backup point guard. Nothing crazy, nobody who's amazing, but somebody who can just run the show for that second unit. You know, something that Theo Pinson or Jana Musa or Garrett Temple can't really do for you. So I think that would be ideal if Kyrie was not to come back. In terms of other trades in the roster, I think we could see some upgrades, but they're all going to be minor upgrades. We're not going to see any big blockbuster moves. We talked about this. This team is yet to be fully healthy on the court, so no one knows what they're going to look like or like or how good they're going to be. So what do you know? Like this could already be a championship team, and you're messing it up because you're not being patient. Yeah, and I think it, it's hard to sort of analyze, obviously, the the full body of work when we haven't seen even you know half of the body of work at this stage with you know any of our sort of you know key superstars and what would complement them and, and create a championship contending team. You know, I, I, I think Shabazz Napier would be a perfect sort of guy. You know, he fit that role uh, quite nicely last season. I do like Ish Smith, you know, a, a Darren Collison type as well. I think that he's more likely to go to one of the LA teams because I think he would be given a larger role there. But, you know, and maybe some people might want to bring up a guy like Jamal Crawford. I, I wouldn't like that because I think he's not necessarily... bad. Yeah, the defense is pretty trash, and I'm not saying like he's necessarily completely washed, but you know he's 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 moist. You know, you're putting it in the, the washing <laughs> machine, you're you're putting a little bit in. But uh, Bleach it's Report damp. had a few. It's certainly quite damp. Let's put it that way. Uh, Bleach Report put targets on the uh, the Brooklyn Nets targets, and they listed these guys for for uh, for the Nets. Nick, like to hear your thoughts on them. Aaron Gordon, JJ Redick, Roko, Robert Covington, Wayne Ellington, and Reggie Bullock. Yeah, the first three. Uh, they would all have to include Spencer Dinwiddie, most likely, or Joe Harris, because you need to match contracts. So I think they're all not going to happen this season. Wayne Ellington and Reggie Bullock make a ton of sense, but they play for the Knicks, and I do not think mm -hmm. the Knicks are going to make a trade with the Nets because one of those guys could be a perfect booster to the bench unit, and they'd give so much spacing to the team. And now, all of a sudden, you know, Reggie Bullock, I'm not going to say is an elite three-point shooter. I think he's closer to maybe a 3AD guy. It's a little bit closer to average. But Wayne Ellington, I think, is an elite three-point shooter. And if you had him, Joe Harris, and Torian Prince, there's a guarantee one of three of those guys is going to be on every night. And then there's a good chance that two of three of those guys is going to be on. So your spacing, your three-point shooting is going to take a drastic boost. But yeah, it's I not going to happen because he's on the Knicks. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that we saw, you know, the news that, you know, Chris Haps-Pozingas was interested in going to the Brooklyn Nets when he heard about, you know, then Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving could be there. So it, it just doesn't happen. You know, Nets and Knicks trades do not happen unless, you know, these guys ask for a buyout. And, you know, maybe that does happen because, you know, the, the Knicks have been performing okay here and there. But, you know, obviously, 3 and D is what the Nets need a lot. And uh, I think that I heard on the Dunked On podcast as well, you know, it's they think that with the, the, the guard depth that we have with Karis LeVert, uh, Spencer Dewey and Kyrie Irving, you need an extra defensive wing or defensive stopper to support Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in that extent. And you would rather have a Robert Cummington type than, you know, your three sort of guard trio who might not fit well as much as Kenny and, and, and we're optimistic about it. Um, I, I'm, I see the basis in that as well, but you know, we need to, to analyze and see, see it on the court first before we can see what will truly complement these guys and whether Kyrie Irving's healthy, whether Kevin Durant's healthy. We've spent an entire episode saying that we're optimistic. Hopefully these guys are back soon, but you know, we don't know that yet. It's not set in stone. It's not like, you know, uh, Victor Oladipo is coming back in a few weeks time. There yeah, is no specific. 
Oh, sorry to cut you off, Jack. I was just going to say, and the fact is, like, you have four really great players. Guys are injured all the time. It happens. And, like, these guys, most of these guys have all dealt with some major injury other than Spencer Dinwiddie, which he did in college. So I think having an extra guy around that maybe you push him into a lesser role for half the season, then you need him to step up or you need him to step up postseason time because there's an injury. Like we saw last year with Golden State, they suffered injuries. They had no depth, and that team went down the drain. And I'm not opposed to bringing the 3 and D guy, but like you said, Jack, you want to see how it looks on the court, and you want to see what Karis LeVert really can be on the court. Can he raise that defensive level? What does his three-point shot look like? Maybe he can be your utility guy that can fill in so many different roles for you. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about probably, if not every podcast, most podcasts about Karis LeVert's defensive potential and and the optimism we have on that end of the floor and you know Kenny is really high on Spencer Dinwiddie's defense uh, I think our guys are inconsistent on that end but maybe if when you add a Kevin Durant and you add a Kyrie Irving in there it lessens the burden on the offensive end for those guys so they can you know expend a bit more energy on the defensive end and, and really hone in there and allow them because I think you know Spencer Dinwiddie you can't expect him to be you know a two-way player with the the amount of burden that he's taken on uh, of late so and Kyrie and Kyrie himself did mention that and, and gave a lot of you know uh, plaudits to to Spencer and his play of late and, and how he wants to get back to help him and I guess that gets to our our next question from Brian at uh, those Dolphins when Kyrie is back what is both of your ideal lineups let's go with a 10-man rotation for this and uh, a lot of people responded with with their thoughts on on the best rotation what well, what would your best 10-man rotation be if Kyrie were to return soon? Yeah, this is really tough. I mean, the best and the one that I would like to see might be different. Um, okay. I think you obviously have Kyrie Irving as a lock. I think you lock in Jared Allen. I think Karis LeVert's locked in because as, as much as Karis wasn't playing at his highest potential early in the season, we saw the offensive numbers of this team. They were really, really good. We're talking top five offense in the NBA. And I think when you have two offensive options like Kyrie and Karis and that synergy was starting to develop, you want to put those that pair together. And we've kind of talked in the past where it just feels like Spencer's better on that second unit where he can take advantage of some of those mismatches, especially going against starters for so long. I think you want to keep him in that role. Then you obviously want an elite three-point shooter. And I think right now the Nets only have one elite three-point shooter, and that's Joe Harris. Torian Prince could possibly get there, but I don't think he's there right now. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to putting Rodion's here because I think he's provided kind of a spark in energy. But then at the other hand, it's like, do you go with Torian Prince because then you continue to add the spacing? So I think that would be the battle, would be that number four spot. Is it Rodion's? Is it Torian Prince? I think a lot of it also would depend on what's Rodion's play over the next month. Is he continuing to improve and play like the player we saw last year? If that's the case, I kind of want him to starting lineup next to a Kyrie Irving and a Karis LeVert and a Joe Harris because he provides a little bit more defense and a little bit of scrappiness and toughness. Yeah, and that's what Brian was sort of, you know, debating between as well. I would personally have Prince, Nick, just because I believe in terms of his, you know, the three-point shooting, like you mentioned, I think that that is more valuable. And I do think he can be a good defender. I, I think Rodion's can be. It depends on, obviously, the minute allocations. I think the closing lineup is, is what matters most. And more intriguing. I think it, and more intriguing. I think that what, matter, what, what that would be would be Kyrie, Karras, Spence, and obviously Allen, or depending, and I think... The fifth position would be whoever is performing best on the defensive end on, on that occasion. And, you know, on, or, you know, if you're doing offensive defensive lineups, you know, it would be Rodian Prince again. But in terms of the, the bench depth, I think we all know that, you know, Spencer would probably come back to his six man role, which, you know, I, I, I'd be more than happy with and I'm okay with. You know, Garrett Temple, Atoyan Prince, or Rody, Chandler, and DeAndre Jordan. I, I'm, I'm also a little bit wary with Spencer coming off the bench. Because we've seen in the past him when it when you give a guy a specific role and he has that consistency and he knows those expectations, it allows him to just be mentally and physically prepared. But when you have a change of role, you can expect you know some dip in in some form or another. Yes, he'll probably be going up against second lineup, second units, but he's developed you know a cohesion and chemistry with the starters so you know redeveloping that with some of the other guys yes we know he has a, a really good partnership with with deandre jordan his his lob passing uh, has been pretty damn good uh, for the most part 
So for me, you know, I would expect that we might even see a dip in form from Spencer. And the, what Karras has done off the bench, you know, you've spoken about that, Nick, that, you know, the mistakes that he has made is because he ha- doesn't have that synergy again. And maybe we could see that with Spencer if he does play with the second unit. I think Spencer has earned a starting spot with his play. So I, I think he deserves to go out there. And maybe you bring Joe Harris off the bench. Maybe you bring Torian Prince off the bench. I don't know. I, I'm... I'm I'm much more positive about the fact that we we get to deal with these issues and have to think about these issues than go, all right, well then, uh, who is the 10th man in the rotation? Is it Pinson? Is it Musa? Yeah. Uh, is, is it Nicholas Claxton? It's a much better a much better dilemma to have to sort of analyze. And I think another thing, if you were to go with Rodion's in that starting lineup, you'd have Prince in the second unit. Now all of a sudden you're running out a second unit that looks like the starting unit you put out you know, a couple of weeks ago minus Joe Harris because you're running out Spencer Dewey, Garrett Temple, Torian Prince, Wilson Chandler, and DeAndre Jordan, which I think now all of a sudden the Nets go from having no good players essentially in any of their lineups other than Spencer Dewey and Joe Harris to having multiple good players in both lineups. And I'm saying good players in the sense that these guys are good for bench players. They're not good as starters, but in a bench role, they're going to have a mismatch against other teams. So it just puts everything in the Nets' perspective in a positive light. And like you said, Jack, it's a lot more fun talking about lineups with a lot of very good players and who's going to start and who's not going to start than talking about who's actually good enough to be in the rotation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and at the end of the day, Nick, you know, I'll, I'll touch on Will's comment wasn't necessarily Will. Jackson's comment wasn't necessarily uh, a question that needed to be addressed, but he's like, can you address the people who want Kenny to lose his job? I mean, every single, if there's a Coach Kenny video, if there's a Brooklyn Nets video, there's going to be Coach Kenny haters in the in the ads. And I don't think we have enough time uh, on any podcast or for the rest of the season to address uh, all of the, the Kenny uh, naysayers. I mean, last year when they were in a losing streak, Kenny was fired 27 times by Nets Twitter. You didn't hear those people again during the winning streak or when the Nets all of a sudden made the playoffs, missing two of the three best players majority of the season in Karis Avert. And I guess Spencer didn't miss majority of the season. He missed about a month and change. But still, your guys missed a lot of time. He's still got in the postseason. This team is probably worse. There's just not as much depth on the team in terms of the bench unit, and guys aren't stepping as much, stepping up as much as last year. So I think really to be upset with Kenny is just kind of ridiculous considering the injuries his team has suffered, specifically Kyrie Irving and Karis Avert. Like there's no way around it, and we've kind of hit the nail on the head a million times. Look at Golden State. Look at how bad they are missing their top two players or top three players, whatever it is, on any given night. Now look at the Nets. They're a lot more competitive than Golden State. Yeah, and if you look at how we, I mean, I'm going to, now that there's a, some time to just sort of separate from the, the game itself and the frustration of the loss, if you look at how we actually played against OKC, we played really well. We played pretty decent basketball on both ends of the floor because we had Karras back and it changes everything in, in, in ways more than one. But Nick, we'll do a mini preview, I guess, before tomorrow's game. I mean, everything that we've just spoken about is evergreen. So you can, if you want to revisit this, you know, obviously there's plenty of time. This isn't just a one-time podcast that, you know, when we do a game recap, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But we'll do a mini sort of preview for tomorrow's game against the Miami Hayden. I'm not looking forward to coming against a, a, a motivated Jimmy Butler who is certainly going to be aggressive. And also the fact that... Uh, Wilson Chandler, I think this is via Brian Lewis or whoever put it out, and I'm sorry if I'm getting that wrong. Uh, Wilson Chandler and Garrett Temple are both questionable for tomorrow's game. Interesting. You know, I'm not quite as concerned as I would have been about a week or two ago without Karis Avert. With Karis Avert back, you can afford to have less Garrett Temple long as Karis Avert now is minutes restriction is either um, increased or completely shut off. I would think at this point he should be able to go 30 minutes in a game. So I think that's a major boost. And then also the fact Rodion's is playing better. I'm not really as concerned about Wilson Chandler missing time. Yes, he's had some good moments, but at least there's probably two competent forwards on the team still with Wilson Chandler being out and Torian Prince and Rodion's. Yeah, you could probably tighten that uh, rotation to from 10 to 9, possibly, if Wilson Chandler yeah. doesn't play. Or if a, at least one of those two is playing and you just bump up the minutes a little bit. I know Coach Kenny did mention in his in his media scrum today that he does expect to see Karis Avert see extended minutes. You know, um, I know uh, my thoughts were certainly very evident and clear on the last podcast about what I saw, thought should have happened with, with Karis Avert's minutes. But, you know, I expect him to be one of the leaders in minutes uh, in, in the game against Miami. And we're certainly going to need him against a team that is, you know, back on the track. And, you know, with Jimmy Butler, who is one of the, the superstars in the league and will feature in our 
OGD top 10. Uh, for those that haven't been keeping up with that, OGDbasketball.com, he is he's a stud. And, you know, he could have been a Brooklyn net as well, which would have been fun. But uh, he seems to be a net killer quite consistently. And we saw that then when the net, last time the Nets did come up against Miami, it all came down to the, the final two minutes when Miami really turned up their defense uh, and the Nets really couldn't get anything going on the offensive end. But you add in Carol Savert, we didn't have him back then. Uh, it makes things a little bit easier. So, you know, I'm not as confident as you probably, Nick, but I'm never as confident as you when it comes to this team. So who knows what could happen? Yeah, I think uh, having Karis LeVert in a matchup against Jimmy Butler is important. I think we saw last year in the postseason, he kind of has a similar body to him. Maybe he's a little bit more lanky, but not as strong as Jimmy. But I think having him should definitely be a nice asset to match up with him, not only the entire game, but specifically in that late game situation where Jimmy just kind of did whatever he wanted to do and got to the line and won Miami the game. And the Nets couldn't get anything going on the other end because Miami locked up Spencer. Now we have a second option in Karis LeVert. There should be an opportunity to win the game. Miami's still a very, very good team. The Nets are going to have to play really well. They're probably going to have to play better than they played against OKC, but I think they have a legit shot to win at home. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating matchup, and if the Nets can get back on the the, the winners the winners list, I, man, I just want to recap a win. I want to recap a win, Nick, and I'm hoping it happens tomorrow. And I think uh, one underrated thing that we need to keep an eye on is center play. I thought center play was good against OKC. Can they get back to playing consistent, good center play night after night? And I think that can make the difference. You know, Bam's a very good player. You're going to have to match that. But some of the other guys on the team, I think you could take advantage. DeAndre could maybe have a better better job against his second unit. I think in the first match, he wasn't great, but there isn't an opportunity for him to dominate. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a it'll be a big one to watch. And, I mean, the Nets need to get back on track. Maybe this positive news, I know Coach Kenny mentioned it as as well, the fact that just seeing Kyrie Irving out there provides a booster, provides some light, whatever the specific adjectives that he's used. Hopefully that gives the, the Nets a little bit of a spark that we need because boy, oh boy, do we need it. And this Miami Heat team is a good team, so they're not going to make it easy. Yeah, and I think that's an excellent point, Jack. I think the positive momentum, like it, I'm telling you, watching all the press conferences, everyone seemed very happy. And over the last couple of games, the Nets have not seemed happy. This could be just a nice little momentum boost for them to play a little bit better on the court and kind of have a little bit better synergy, chemistry, and energy, and just that overall hustle that I think has been missing on certain moments. Yeah, praying for a Nets win, my guy. All right, that wraps it up. As always, Jack, a pleasure talking Nets, especially on these bonus episodes. And big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.